You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, he doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TM Up podcast. I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host, my partner, Jared Huff. Jared, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Um, it's my birthday today, uh, as the day we're recording this, and I hear it was uh, your birthday last night. Yeah. So yeah. how was your birthday weekend for no, you? No, it was a lot of fun. We hung out with some friends, just kind of went out, had a good time, nice chill night, and we didn't even realize that we this whole weekend was going to be the TM Up birthday weekends, man. We didn't even realize when we were coming yeah. into it, but... That's awesome. It's an event. It's yeah. Like we get, we get, uh, what was it? All-star weekend? No, it was last weekend. Yeah. And then we get team up birthday weekend, back to back weekend. Well, we like, go two weeks ago was trade deadline. Then we went to all-star, all-star break. And now we're at the, the birthday weekend. So we're just oh rolling through it on this, this like podcast. Three man. great weekends in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, three great weeks. Yeah. Yeah. For those who may be watching the video, I'm, I turned, uh, 24. So it's a uh, Kobe day part two. So I got a little Kobe go. action on. So, I, I mean, some of you are probably shocked you see me in Lakers here. I actually, I like the <laughs> Lakers as a franchise. I do believe it or not. I just don't like any team LeBron's on. Got you. So he's making me not like the Lakers, which annoys me because I love the Lakers. Yeah. As big of a Bulls fan. I, I well, we'll like see them. how long he actually is on the Lakers. We'll talk about that as we get a little bit deeper into this podcast <laughs> to kind of segue into it. So it's been three good weeks for us, but it has not been three good years to start the career for Zion. It leads oh, us no, into our leads us into our first topic. So hasn't exactly been a great start to the career for the 2019 first overall pick, Zion Williamson. He's been on the floor for about just over one season's worth of game in the first three years, with no signs pointing towards him returning to the court anytime soon. This week, his former teammate JJ Reddick went on first take and voiced his criticism of the young star. He stated, and I quote, This is a pattern of behavior with Zion that we're seeing again and again. I was his teammate. I can describe him as a detached teammate. This is an accurate statement. So, Jarrett, how ugly is the situation getting to New Orleans, and is there going to be a future with the Pelicans for Zion? Um, I think we kind of knew this coming into the situation. I mean, you saw his face on draft night. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he knew he was going first, but that man wanted to go to New York. He was really hoping the Knicks were going to get that first pick that year. Mm-hmm. And, well... <laughs> the Knicks were open too because look at them this year. It's not much better. Actually, it's worse, I would say. Um, this situation, it's it's getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, how do you not text your new teammate? Hey, hello, glad you're on the team. Like, I feel like that's just a common courtesy when it comes to yeah. the NBA. Like, that's that's bad, especially when that's a player, a really good player to be brought in to help you. Because now that oh, yeah. team. You put Zion back on that team, that's a good team. I feel like everyone's been clowning the Pelicans all season long for, I mean, just starting with the Bulls fleecing them to get Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know why you give him up, especially with how he would pair with Zion. And now we're in this situation where, let's, I mean, let's face it, I won't be totally shocked to not see Zion in the Pelicans jersey ever again. I think we're about to, at that point. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I, I think it, when Zion were kind of so overtaken by the injuries, I know that's played obviously a huge part of it. I think sometimes, you know, Zion came into this league with kind of the most hype we've seen of like this number one draft pick since LeBron James. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody will argue that. And the biggest story about him obviously has been his injury. And it seems like he's uninterested in playing New Orleans at the very least. 
And it just sucks because I think we kind of forget about how great and unprecedented of a player he is when he was on the court. I mean, oh. 85 games into his NBA career, in those 85 games, he's averaging almost 26 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists, and he's doing all this while shooting over 60% from the field. Like, those are numbers that we've never seen before from a rookie, and it sucks because his talent is definitely worth the hype that he gets. It's just he's never on the court. And now, with all that being said, it seems like he's kind of going down this dangerous path, and it sucks to say, but the easiest, most obvious comparison is Greg Oden. I mean, everybody obviously remembers the Greg Oden saga. In Oden's first three seasons in the NBA, he played 82 games. If Zion does not come back this year, which I don't think he will, he'll play 85 games. That's just three more games. Zion's stats are way better than Odin's. But with the injury so far, I think this is exactly where we should be looking as far as, hey, he could kind of cement, he could kind of take over that spot from Greg Odin as one of the biggest busts in NBA history. I don't think we're at uh, the bust conversation yet because we still haven't really seen something that says, oh, yeah, no, Zion, like, like, yeah, he's been injured, but none of these injuries have said, no, he can't play. Yeah. Um. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about the bus potential right now. I'm just concerned about the Pelicans future as a franchise with this situation, because the, honestly, the way I see it, Zion's the only thing that can save this franchise. Cause I mean, this is the franchise that at one point the NBA had to step in and basically take control of uh, back when they were the Hornets in a, I think that was the early or late 2000s, early 2010s. I can't mm-hmm. remember off the top of my head, but this franchise has been plagued since the day it left Charlotte. It has not been good for the Pelicans. And uh, this, this situation, it could be debilitating for the next decade to come. Yeah, no, I agree. And kind of hearing these comments from Reddick, I haven't seen or heard anything from any other teammate that would make me think that Reddick's comments are not accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like it's just kind of like confirming what we've kind of all already thought. You know, I don't think it's a secret. He didn't really want to be a Pelican. Coach K at Duke even had to tell Zion, hey, don't come back for a second year because Zion was considering coming back for a second year at Duke just to kind of avoid New Orleans. And Zion, to me, he's now at a crossroads. And he's now receiving, you know, this criticism from former teammates. We're hearing word that he hasn't spoken with C.J. McCollum or he is. Maybe he has now even sent a text message. Yeah, he reached out eventually, yeah. but it was a few days. And C.J. had to go on TV and, and say, and, hey, yeah, and say in front I of heard him. And, like, C.J. wasn't trying to be controversial. He was just asked the question. He's like, no, yeah. I haven't had a chance to speak with him yet. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like, C- I mean, C.J. is a pro. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's one of the best guys in the league. He's an amazing person. But the the injury status to me is one thing, but you can still be a good teammate while you're sidelined. And we're not seeing that from Zion. You know, he's when he's healthy, he's hands down one. He's hands down the best player on that roster. But if you take leadership, you know, that's an important role. He's not playing on that team. You know, he could be there cheering on his teammates while trying to get back as fast as he possibly can, trying to look towards the future trying to develop chemistry with these guys, even when he's not playing, showing up to practices, just he could be doing all these things, but he's not. So not speaking with an organization, I think we've heard multiple times he's rehabbing in Portland with Nike. He's not even rehabbing with the team. So the team doesn't have regular conversations with him to just kind of see where he's at. 
He's not taking the time to just send a text to your newly acquired teammate. It's just not a good look, man. It's, it's not a good look, and I hope he gets this figured out quickly because otherwise, you know, his talent can only take him so far. And even if he does eventually force his way out, which a lot of superstars, especially now, are forcing their way out of situations and they're still loved by fans, that's still a possibility. But this isn't a good look, and he just doesn't look like a good teammate in this whole situation. Yeah. Once he gets done rehabbing his body, he's going to have to do some serious rehabbing for his image because – Oh, yeah. I mean, it. this is like kind of like the poster child for this growing trend of just this generation of players that they really do not have any respect for, I guess, the way business in the NBA is handled by players. Yeah. No, it doesn't make sense. It almost makes you wonder if he's just got people feeding him bad information, like bad people around him. It just seems like a group decision. You know, a lot of these NBA guys, you know, they got like their their group of guys. They got the PR guy, the marketing guy, their business guys. Like they're surrounded by guys that are going to give them good advice most of the time. And that's where you see these guys succeed. Right now, it doesn't seem like Zion has any of those guys around him. And that's, you know, it's it's. A lot of this, I mean, most of this is on him. And he's, I think he's got to take a step up and at least lead in that kind of, you know, teammate role he's got to play, especially when he can't be on the court. So we'll see what, what's to come with Zion and the Pelicans. But I want to go into another topic here that we kind of hinted at at the beginning. So the trade deadline came and went for the Lakers and their roster remained the same. And this reportedly did not sit well with their star, LeBron James. So reports have come out indicating that James wasn't happy with general manager Rob Polinka and others in the Lakers front office. This has led to rumors surrounding the Kings' future with the Lakers. But, Jarrett, what do you kind of make of this ongoing situation and all this he said, she said reports that we're hearing? Um, just based on what we've seen uh, with, like, LeBron's history when he gets kind of towards this year three or four with the franchise – um, it checks out to me. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you saw frustrations with him in Cleveland, obviously, which led him to leaving for uh, the South Beach. Then you saw towards the end, him and Pat Riley kind of putting shots at each other in the media. Then he goes back to Cleveland. And it feels like the whole time he kind of held that team hostage with his like one year deal after one year deal after one year deal. Uh, this Lakers situation based on, I mean, LeBron's never since his rookie year been in a situation record-wise with a team like this. And let's be honest, he's not going to say it outright, but he's not happy that w- with Russell Westbrook there. Mm. He's not happy about that. He's not happy about how this team makeup, which I have to say, I mean, we all joke about the Lee GM stuff on Twitter, but I mean, if anyone's trying to tell themselves that LeBron doesn't have influence on what the roster looks like, obviously he's not signing the contracts and, uh, making the calls and stuff like that. But if you're thinking he doesn't have input on who's on this team, especially with just the variety of players, you've seen like good friend Carmelo Anthony, another superstar like Russell Westbrook, a lot of uh, veterans, some guys that have played on this team before. I mean, we saw it. Why do you think Mike Miller and James Jones ended up in Cleveland? Come on now. Um, he He's kind of responsible for the bet he's laying in. And if I, I kind of feel like it's unfair to like, for him and his camp and clutch to be mad at Rob Palenka because Rob Palenka is, has tried to do basically everything they can to make him happy. And uh, I don't think even the best GM in the world could move Russell Westbrook's contract. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a messy situation for LA. Yeah, I, it, it is messy. Uh, and the one thing I will kind of say before I get into my take is, 
the Russell Westbrook contract, it looks really bad right now, but we have to kind of put into perspective that when it comes to this next offseason, um, it's actually not going to look as bad because it's going to be an expiring deal. So there's going to be some teams out there that are kind of look at it as, hey, <clears throat> if we trade for Russell Westbrook, we can get $45 million of cap room off of just one year. So there is, it's not going to be as bad of a contract as it is this year, obviously, when it still had two years, a year and a half on it. So it, things like that will change. And I, I don't think the Lakers had a good answer at the trade deadline. I didn't think there was a golden ticket. I mean, people bring up the John Wall trade. I don't think that changes that doesn't much. doesn't really do anything. No, I, I – and then the Knicks trade, I would have liked to see maybe go through just because it's a change. Still, I don't think it's better. It did get them younger if that was able to go through. Um, they didn't have the cap space to kind of take on any sort of bigger contract for anyone that can help. But just to me, to do absolutely nothing, knowing the status of your team, is is it an injustice to the guys on the roster, not just LeBron James? Like, I mean, I get it. LeBron gets all the headlines, but there's 14 other guys on that roster. And I think when you're starting to look around, they are a middle-of-the-pack team. That's what they are in the Western Conference right now. And I think they looked at other middle-of-the-pack teams, like, heck, even Sacramento, who's like, we're making a run. And they went out and got um, Demonis Sabonis. Just like little things like that that did not – change anything to me felt kind of like a, a, a disservice so now we kind of fall back to similar situations we saw LeBron James in his real early days in Cleveland where they're in a situation where they're just saying LeBron go try to get a win and the only problem is LeBron is now 37 years old and LeBron can put up numbers LeBron mm -hmm. can have nights LeBron can can get hot he can still do a lot of things on the floor but he's can't put the entire team on his back for 48 minutes and say I'm not losing anymore and that's okay. You, you don't, he's been able to do that for so long. You can't expect him to do that forever and credit to, to him, but I don't know, man. And the, the kind of second part of this question that I'm sure you've probably seen is this whole narrative where people are kind of coming after LeBron, calling him a franchise killer. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that where I'm sure, I'm sure you do. So I do. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was thinking about this and I've, to be honest, I've noticed this trend for years. Um, so I will say for the Lakers benefit, they are potentially in a, uh, a much better situation, surprisingly, um, once I finish my take. But when LeBron comes into a team, um, the team, it's usually, it's been like a younger team or a team with a star, um, Kyrie Irving with the Cavs, Dwayne Wade with the Heat. And LeBron comes in, they attract other free agents. Um, and role players or stars like Chris Bosch, or then when they kind of piece the roster together, they start making some trades for guys like Kevin Love, and you start sending away draft capital because you're not trying to send out too much talent because you want to build a, a competitor around LeBron, and to do that, you have to give up something, and the best way to do that without giving up talent is giving up uh, future assets. So LeBron stays. He plays four years. All those draft picks are in the future. Uh, or for the years that he's there in Miami, Cleveland, Los Angeles, wherever. And then once he decides to move on, well, you're taking the greatest player in the NBA off of a team and that a team that doesn't have its draft assets for that season. So obviously they're going to fall in the rankings. It takes them a few years to climb out of that hole to get back to contention or get back to just having draft capital. Um, and 
really what's left is you got this whole of either some young players like in Austin Reeves or a city Osmond that you either got through old draft picks or you picked off the, uh, the, the free agency list and really nothing else. And Los Angeles is in danger of this where they don't have any young players unless you really like Tate, Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, LeBron could be gone two years. What does Los Angeles have left? Who knows if Anthony Davis wants to stay? When he was in Cleveland, he drove Kyrie Irving away, which Ky- I really can't blame him for the Kyrie. Yeah, thing, I, was, Kyrie I wanted was, to leave. But say but, I pushed back on that one. I think Kyrie was just as much of a oh, flake there in he, that situation. He, he's a head case, but um, I, I'm just using this point as like, oh, yeah, I know. He left, I and all you have is old past his prime Kevin Love. When he left Miami, all that was left was an aging Dwayne Wade and a season's worth of games from Chris Bosch, who unfortunately had to end his NBA career early. Still, I'm still and, very sad about that. Obviously. Yeah, like, because say what I want about the Miami Heat, but Chris Bosch is a stand-up guy, and it was really oh, sad to see his Hall of Fame career Go derailed like that. Because yeah. he was having one of his best seasons. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I think... I forget if it was his final season or the season before that, but he was he was looking good. I mean, it helps when you don't have LeBron James on your team. You kind of mm-hmm. get some of your numbers back. Oh yeah, no, well, he, he was he, really he was good. he was an all star. Um, well, playing an all star level. So, um, and now we're in this situation where you could potentially still have Anthony Davis, but is it going to be a healthy Anthony Davis, or are you just going to fall in the standings again with an injured Anthony Davis, or and I, I saw a report, I don't know how credible it is, but Anthony Davis was talking about wanting to go to Chicago if he was ever to leave L.A., which, as a Bulls fan, I don't know if I feel excited about that possibility or if I'm like, nah, I don't think I want you because I've already seen enough of the injury bug this yeah. year for my team. LeBron, you can compare him to a player where it's like, think about this. I don't know if this is based off a movie or a book or something where like this alien race comes to a planet and they bring technology and everything to this planet to prosper the human race or something. And then all of a sudden the alien planet or the alien race starts sucking up all the livestock and all the water, oxygen, minerals resources and basically takes it and leaves the planet stripped and bare of anything to bring it back sounds like kind of a crazy take but this is kind of what lebron does he goes there he expects the team to trade assets to trade draft capital and then when he's gone well there's nothing left so this is why there was an issue with rob palinka not wanting to give up that 2027 pick because the lakers are going to need that pick by that time because uh It'd be a few years since they've had some draft picks. Yeah. I mean, it's long-winded, but I, I do buy into the narrative that LeBron is a franchise killer. I mean, the Heat have rebounded really nicely, and the Cavs are finally looking like they're able to put together a winning team for the first time since Sean Kemp was on the roster um, without LeBron. But he, he, he strips these teams for a while. I understand what you're saying. I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Um, but at the same time, it works. And you, no one can deny that. Oh, no, it does. It, it absolutely works. And people love to hate on LeBron. I mean, we can – a spade's a spade. LeBron, just everybody has an opinion. Everybody loves to hate LeBron. He's just that guy. And I'm, 
this narrative to me that he just comes in and he does what he wants, gets bored and he leaves. I, w- I really want to push back on that. Cause if we, when you go and you start to look at it, LeBron sent, spent the first seven years of his career in Cleveland. He gave that organization everything that he possibly could in those first seven years. He carried them to a finals before he was ever in Cleveland. Cleveland was nothing. I mean, they had some good teams. Don't get me wrong. I think it was in the eighties, had a nice run, but they never really were. I mean, they're the Cleveland Cavaliers. And now we look at it, obviously, when LeBron was there, the Cleveland Cavaliers were kind of the cream of the crop of the NBA, even if they weren't winning titles. LeBron came in and put them on the map right off right off the bat. I would argue the front office failed LeBron James in the first seven years of his career. Oh, yeah. Straight sure. up. LeBron then made the tough decision to leave and to go to Miami. And in Miami, I believe it was the first time in his career that he had had, he had a front office that was willing to make moves, to make changes in order to actually pursue a championship. In his four years in Miami, they went to four straight finals and they won two of them. So in my mind, he got some support. They won. I get it. You trade away draft pieces. You trade away draft picks. You trade away maybe some younger guys that you like. But at the end of the day, your goal is to win a championship. Mm -hmm. LeBron won two of them there. LeBron James then went back to Cleveland, and he – provided kind of a message when he came back to the, to the Cavaliers front office, like, hey, if you commit to me, I just showed what I could do. I showed what I just did in Miami. That's my, now, that's my track record I'm coming back in with. If you're willing to win now, I'll give you all that I have, and I will try to win you a championship. So he comes home for four years, and he won that city its first championship in forever. And one of the best, it was an amazing NBA championship. Obviously, everybody knows all the fun series. It was an insane series. Obviously, they had to trade away that first pick and Andrew Wiggins had to bring in Kevin Love, had to make some changes, bring in some of those other older guys, Richard Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, won a championship. LeBron then went to the Lakers after one year of playing with with the Lakers young core. The team went out and got Anthony Davis. LeBron and Anthony Davis proceeded to win a championship. That's what they did. LeBron has won wherever he's gone. And, like, I don't think we're also ever able able to put kind of the financial impact that he has on these teams into perspective. And to kind of sit here and Monday morning quarterback everything and say that all he does is go around and ruin franchises is absolutely ridiculous because the one stat that I would push back in, these ruined franchises all won championships with him. The Lakers – People forget, but five years before LeBron came to the Lakers, they had the worst record in the NBA. <laughs> like, they, they were terrible. Like, yeah, they were getting some young guys. You know, D'Angelo Russell had in his time there. Lonzo Ball, obviously. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, like those young guys. Yeah, they had some talented players. They weren't winning games until LeBron came. And kind of, you know, ever since Kobe went out with that, I think it was his final Achilles injury, where he never mm-hmm. really came back from that, they weren't. I mean, they're still the Lakers, don't get me wrong. Their brand is insane, but they weren't the top of the NBA. In fact, they were at the bottom of the Western Conference year in and year out. Oh, yeah. So people can say he ruined, or not ruined, but he really set these franchises back when he leaves because they don't have the draft capital moving forward. I understand that. But I don't think any of these teams, looking back, would trade those championships that they had for a couple extra draft picks. I maybe maybe I'm crazy, and I don't think the Cavaliers win with Andrew Wiggins and not with Kevin Love. Like, I, I I don't think they win. 
with, with Andrew Wiggins, not Kevin Love. Andrew Wiggins now is a good player. But we've talked – I mean, we haven't talked, but the NBA has talked how long it's taken Andrew Wiggins to get to where he is now. They don't win that without Kevin Love. I don't think the Lakers win a championship with Lonzo and B.I. and not Anthony Davis. I, I don't think they win a championship with that. He wins everywhere he goes is the way that I see it. So, yes, there's a price to pay with LeBron. But every single stop that he's made along his career, he's going to give you a chip. That's just what he's done so far. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And your points, uh, your points are very fair. But I, what I have to say, though, is – I don't think this, these Laker fan bases or this Laker fan base, I don't think they want to go through another uh, another uh, group of years of what they had just went through before LeBron came to town. Um, when you look at it, the Lakers since the 60s have almost had sustained success all through then. This transition from Jerry West and uh, Will Chamberlain, maybe one or two down years and then boom, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. And he played there for the next, what, 15 years of his career. Um, and then while Kareem's there, low down, like they missed the playoffs one year, yeah. but draft Magic Johnson mm-hmm. and bring in James Worthy in the draft and tons of all these players. The Magic era lasts all the way to the early 90s. You have some down years, but still some pretty promising players. And then boom, mid-90s, Shaq and Kobe. Shaq and Kobe take you into the 2000s. Shaq leaves. You still have Kobe. Kobe brings Kobe more Powell, chips. Yeah. And Kobe stayed. Kobe could have left so many times, and he didn't. Now, yeah, some of his twilight years kind of hampered the Lakers' ability to grow. But at the same time, I mean, you still have your your star, arguably the greatest Laker of all time in your franchise, and that meant a lot to the fans. Mm-hmm. Sure, they weren't winning, but they still got to go to watch Kobe. LeBron James isn't the kind of superstar that the Lakers have really ever had. I mean, you can kind of argue Shaq, but like I said, with Kobe still being there, it kind of minimizes the effect of Shaq leaving because it was either one or the other. And well, I think they chose correctly with uh, who they kept. Um, with that being said, LeBron James isn't a Lakers superstar in no. the comments in what you would think a Lakers superstar would be. He's not really a Laker. He wears the Lakers purple and gold. Um, I'm sure he loves living in LA, loves the city and loves the organization, but in reality he's really he's not a laker yeah i mean he's he's there he he's he's done what he was meant to go to do there but he he really has no loyalty to the franchise beyond that and he's clearly he's not really concerned with what the franchise looks like after he's gone no and i just i think that's a disservice to the fans so if anyone's upset with rob palinka because he didn't trade a 2027 draft pick for john wall who we haven't seen really play in three years then God help them because that's ridiculous. No, I, I get it. LeBron is not – he's not a Laker. You know, you, I know what you mean. Like, I, I understand that. But at the same time, they got LeBron when he was 35 years old. They knew what this was. He comes in. And the only thing he's done – like, I get longtime Laker fans want sustained success because it's all they've seen. It's kind of like people our age who are Patriots fans. They know nothing other than winning Super Bowls because that's all they've ever seen. But the reality for the rest of the league is, hey, that doesn't happen. We don't get to go to the Super Bowl every other year. We don't don't get to have parades. So, in a sense, we're like, he came to the Lakers, gave them a championship, and in my mind, pulled them out from the basement. Because what's the alternative? Like, if LeBron's not on the Lakers right now, who's talking about the Lakers? Like, they're not at the top of the mind. 
what's the alternative? Because do do they actually think do, like so they don't? Okay, I, you're gonna make the argument if LeBron doesn't go there, they don't have AD. They never make that move, right? So what's the what does the Lakers look like right now if LeBron chooses to go to the Knicks or something like that? So it's it's is it still Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, those guys still trying to run it up in the West? Like that's the alternative, I guess. You know, like that's the thing where like Laker fans, you have to look at it where you could be in the position where you're like, oh, LeBron's just going to leave us high and dry. Well, it's like, yeah, he's going to retire at some point. Like he's not going to like he's 37 years old. He's made it. He wants to play. He's probably going to play just a few more years. He wants to get one one year in with Bronny and then he's done. Like he's he's in the twilight part of his career. So in my mind, what's the alternative? The Lakers are going to be in the same situation that they are going to be in when LeBron leaves that they would have been if LeBron never came, except for you just have one last championship. Um, I just, I just, I wish that, uh, uh, hmm. I think the Lakers, I mean, it's a really interesting question that you pose if LeBron never went there. I, th- I still think the Lakers would be okay. I think the Lakers would be a really good team in the West right now. Because, I mean, we've seen Lonzo Ball. Sure, he didn't develop into the superstar that we all thought he could have been. But Lonzo Ball, and I can speak from experience, very nice point guard. Very fun to watch. Very fun to have on your team. Brandon Ingram turned into an all-star. I agree. Um, You have, uh, well, D'Angelo Russell obviously won't be there uh, via one uh, one posted video to the internet with Swaggy P. Um, cause then they, they, they traded him real quick. Um, not even a, uh, footlocker commercial ad could save him. Um, they would have some nice players and like, it's the Lakers where it's not the New York Knicks. Like the Lakers actually have the ability to go out and attract star talent. I'm sure we would have seen at some point. Hell, Anthony Davis probably could have ended up in LA anyway. I mean, cause he was probably gonna leave the Pelicans regardless. And had the Lakers been in that position where they, could trade for him like they did they probably would have done it because then oh well they don't have lebron ad but they have ad because they didn't know they'd ever not have lebron or not have lebron at all i i'm confident that the lakers would have been fine now when lebron leaves they're gonna have no draft capital they're gonna have no trade assets it's it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be some lean it's gonna laker fans you're gonna have to stick it out it's gonna be rough but uh we're here for you and I don't know. I, I just disagree. I think they would be, I don't think they'd be as well off as, as, as they think if LeBron never came here, to be honest, but we, we could spend oh, all day. I'm talking. not saying they'd have a championship. Yeah, I know, but we could spend all day talking on this, but we got to move on. Otherwise it's going to be like an hour and a half podcast. Uh, let's move on. LeBron talk podcast. <laughs> oh man. Um, let's move on to our next topic here. So Jarrett, another week and another former player. For some reason, it's criticizing the great Giannis Antetokounmpo. This time, we got Charles Oakley. Oakley said, and I quote, he wouldn't have been a force back in the day. He would struggle because they would make him do jump shots. He wouldn't be doing Euro steps. Someone's going to knock his head off. He also went on to say that Giannis would come off the bench back in the day. So, Jared, break this one down for me, man. Well, why is everybody hating Giannis? What's going on here? All right. Well, as you've explained, LeBron James, when you're the top of the NBA, which I would say with KD being out and, and LeBron's advanced age, Giannis has stepped up as the face of the league. So when you're the top of the crowd, you're going to get uh, crapped on. And uh, in this case, Giannis is just taking heat because he's the best player in the league. 
And we know some of these older players. I mean, we saw T-Mac last week. We talked about it. Yeah. Um, and Charles Oakley is trying to push that new book he has. So he's going to say something to make you want to read it, right? I mean, hey, it's good, it's good PR. Old dudes um, writing books, man. I mean, I guess if I had all the experience and I could make some money, I'd write a book too. But yeah. uh, no one wants to hear about my life. I haven't done anything <sighs> yet. <laughs> um, it, it, it's ridiculous, honestly, comments. I I love Charles Oakley. I was I was like listening to him when he's on the podcast. I'll like I'll tune in, but this is ridiculous. Uh, shout out to our, our TikTok fan base, uh, our TikTok follow. Forget so I can't give direct uh, credit to whoever commented this in our, uh, your video of Charles Oak of just talking about the Charlie thing. But uh, someone said this is the worst era for Giannis to play in. Yeah, our, the current era, the 2010s or 2020s. I'm sorry, and that's completely right. And look, he has two MVPs in that time, and he's dominating. He won the championship yep. last year. He would be great in the 2000s in the 90s so sorry t-mac sorry oakley you're wrong here he did he wouldn't be pressured to shoot more he wouldn't be causing problems with just spacing yeah uh, have you seen the man's physique he's gonna move. <laughs> you, okay you step in front of his euro step you're getting moved i'm exactly. sorry it's gonna happen man i'm so glad you started out your take the same way that i'm gonna start out mine where this is what happens especially in the most recent era of the nba when you get to the top, well, like when you get to the top, this is what happens. And they, unfortunately, this is the price that you pay. He, he's starting to work. He's cementing his legacy. He's at the prime of his career. He's going to start getting all these accolades and props to Giannis. He's a great player. He's an incredible player. And in my mind, I think a year and a half, I said he's, he's better than LeBron at this point. And that's no shame. I still thought LeBron at that point was number two in the league, but Giannis is fantastic. And the reason why you start to get people kind of nipping at your heels is because when you start to climb that ladder, you start to knock these old heads down a notch. That's what you're doing. That's why that's why these people start to, hey, I mean, it's true. It's true. People don't want to see people pass them. But the problem is these older guys that play, there's always going to be people passing them. And that's a struggle for them to see because they're competitive guys. And in their mind, I played in the the hardest era it's always the one that we hear but once you reach the top of the time that you're playing in everybody gets bored of you it's it's sad you stop winning mvps you know you stop getting the positive headlines your game starts getting criticized and and critiqued more than it ever has before and i think this is part of the reason why we place so much emphasis on championships currently and don't get me wrong a championship is very hard to win but i think it's because the media the media can decide award winners throughout the season and put it in the hands of whoever is the most compelling, whoever's the newest. Basically, they can put it in the hands of whoever they want. But a championship is something no one can take away from you. You win a championship, mm-hmm. you won that championship. Giannis would not be a bench player back in the day. And I hate to do this. I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it because this is two weeks in a row that we received this criticism for Giannis. Oakley in his career averaged nine, nine, and two. Oh man, you're coming after the men's. Career. He was a one-time All-Star and two-time Defensive Team member. Giannis averages in his career twenty-one, nine, and five. He's already a six-time All-Star. 
He's an NBA champion. He's a defensive player of the year. He's a four-time all-defensive team member. He's a two-time MVP, and he's a finals MVP. You also forgot to mention he's one of three players to win, what is it, a championship, yep. MVP, and, and a defensive player, player of the year in the same year. Same season. So not only would Giannis start in your day, Oak, he would send your ass to the bench. Sorry. It's just facts. Also, I wanted to say this when you were saying that uh, when these old guys started getting passed, I had to bring up, when was there ever a conversation where uh, Charles Oakley and Giannis were in a conversation of who's the better player? Oh, there's not. <laughs> there, there's, there's, that's never going to be a conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. He, I, he's a great, he's a Nick great. You know, he, he's, he was, he's an all-time type player. On the Bulls for a little minute. He averaged 9.92. I get it. That's an oversimplification, but you're a one-time all-star. You made the all-star one time in your career. Like, I get it. There's more to the game. But at some point, accolades have to mean a little bit. They got to mean something, you know, like there's a reason they're there. So, Oakley, you're just happy. You should be happy he wasn't on your team back in the day because you might be, you know, you might have got a six man of the year, maybe, possibly, you know, probably not, but maybe, you know, you never know. <laughs> uh, all I could say is to that point, uh, the Knicks weren't selling to- tickets because Charles Oakley was on the roster in the 90s. That's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Someone else oh, might have been man. responsible for that kind of greatness. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm tired of this hate of Giannis, man. Let's stop it. Giannis yeah. is a great player. How do you hate? He's such, and he's like the nicest guy too. He's oh, like, he is. He's, he is the superstar you want. He has that old school mentality of, of like, this city chose me. They yep. believe in me. I'm devoting everything yep. I got to the city, and I love that. I'm and he so brought jealous. them a chip. I'm yep, jealous of the it. Milwaukee fan base because they got a guy that might be one of those Kobe Dirk kind of guys yep. where they'll play there for 20 years yep. and you're thankful for it. Yeah. And good luck stopping them. Cause no one's figured oh. it out yet. No, no yeah. one's figured it out yet. You, you could try to make it tough, but no one's stopping them. Like Not even the NBA three point line has stopped him or no. the free throw line either. <laughs> no, he, he's got it all figured out, man. But uh, moving on from the criticism of Giannis, we thought we'd move on to some storylines now that we're kind of heading into the post all-star break. So Thought we'd hand out and kind of break down a couple storylines that we're all keep that both of us are keeping our eye on for the rest of the season. So, Jared, go ahead and kick it off and give me the three stories you're really looking out for. All right. So the first story I'm looking out for right now is um and uh Joel Embiid's MVP race um and his fit with James Harden and how that affects each other. So far, so good. I have to say for Philly, Harden yeah. has looked great, and Embiid and him look like they're having a lot of fun. I mean, we saw that press conference where Embiid's just yeah. chugging the water and. Oh my God! Is that James Harden in a happy situation? He was laughing. Is he having so, fun again? Yeah. So Embiid, I, I'm hoping I would love to see him win an MVP. I thought for basically since KD uh, got hurt that he's been the top player in the NBA just in terms of MVP odds. Um, so I'm gl- I hope it works out for him if he doesn't win the MVP and that Philly. Well, I don't hope too much because my Bulls are in the same conference competing yeah, for uh, playoff spots. Um, but I, I'm going to be watching that. Um, the second storyline I'm watching is can the Suns compete without CP3? And I'm looking at this for an angle of the future because let's be honest, Chris Paul looks great at what is he, 37? Yeah. 37, 36. 38? Yeah, I think he's 36, 30, 37. Yeah. He looks great. He's aged wonderfully, like better than we could have hoped for. But the question is what are the Suns going to do when he leaves? Because we know he's going to leave. So this is the perfect window in what a Chris Paulist son's future looks like right now. Devin Booker's developed into a star. So let's see 
how he can carry this team without CP3 by his side. Let's see what Aiden can do without CP3 setting him up. Um, so that's going to be something I'm watching for the rest of the season. And uh, we've seen the Suns lose back-to-back games for the first time since, uh, what, they start one and three? Yeah. So that's a little concerning. Um, my third storyline I'm watching is I'm watching uh, DeMar DeRozan's workload. Um, DeMar DeRozan has been pulling these injured Chicago Bulls up by their bootstraps. And he's just kept them afloat. I mean, he's breaking Wilt records that have stood for 60 years, which uh, his um, building upon that record ended last night uh, after we got demolished by John Morant. Although the Bulls, they came back. They made it close yeah, and interesting. But they did. John Morant's just so good. And the Bulls weren't able to stop him, which has been a problem um, in our backcourt all year yeah. uh, without Alex Caruso and without uh, Lonzo Ball. So obviously, DeMar's workload is a concern because he's playing a lot of minutes, a lot's being asked of him to create and produce. And uh, once we get to the playoffs, uh, what kind of Marty Rosen are we going to see? Is he going to be out of gas? I mean, we've seen it happen with players with high usage rates before. I mean, James, we've seen series where James Harden at the end of an MVP caliber season just looks gassed in the playoffs and the Rockets get bounced in the first round or two. So that is the third storyline I'm, I'm watching. I'm, hopefully DeMar DeRozan has the stamina to keep this up in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, those are three really good ones. Um, for me, I'm going to start with the underrated rise of the top of the 2018 draft. And for me, I'm now glued to the TV whenever Luka Doncic and Trey Young are playing. I believe both these guys are in a weird way, severely underrated for what they do for their teams. I've been on the Trey Young, you know, train here for a while. And I, I know he's kind of rising to be one of the most hated guys in the league just because of the kind of swagger and confidence that he plays with. But don't sleep. He's, he's a great player. And Luka Doncic, obviously, we know what he's capable of. Trey's currently fifth in the league in scoring, fourth in assists. And so I'm interested to see if he can kind of pull this team into the play-in tournament, get into the playoffs after last year's surprising run. It's not going to be an easy thing to do because the uh, East obviously got a lot better this year. Luka is sixth in scoring quite literally doing everything for Dallas. He's got them in a pretty good spot where they're sitting right now to be in the playoffs. To me, these two are really at the forefront of those guys who got next in, in a sense where we're going to see, you know, LeBron phase out. We're gonna, I mean, KD, he's not close to phasing out, but I mean, he's still up there in age. Like you said, Chris Paul, we're starting to see that kind of generation guys starting to hit that retirement button. These guys are at the forefront in my mind of who's got next. Problem is with their teams. I don't know if I trust the Dallas Mavericks on, and I don't know if I trust the Atlanta Hawks enough if they're going to be in a situation where they're like Dame Lillard, where if they have this commitment to the organization, who knows if they're ever actually competing for championships. So that's what I worry about. But that's one story I'm really looking at. Second one I'm looking at is the health of the Brooklyn Nets, man. You know, Kevin Durant, he's scheduled to come back sometime this week. And uh, now we got word that Ben Simmons is dealing with a back issue while he's trying to get back into playing shape. So one thing I know about the NBA is the windows for winning a championship is uh, often a lot smaller than a lot of teams might actually think. You know, I think the Nets need to try to salvage this season if they can, you know, make a run. Obviously, barring the the health of their stars, who knows how they'll actually finish this year. We're starting to get word that it looks like it, as long as nothing changes about a week from now, Kyrie will be eligible for home games as well. So they're they're looking like, you know, hey, they they're still sitting there at that eighth spot. Obviously, their talent is immense on that roster. It just all comes down to health and if those three guys are going to be on the court together. So that's what I'm going to be interested to see. 
And the last one I have is I want to see how the Memphis Grizzlies fi finish out this season. I think so far they've done a great job of maintaining their spot in the Western Conference, and they're right at that three seed, which is really hard to, tra uh, to track down the Warriors and the Suns. And they were a team, they're so young, no one really knew what they were capable of. They're so unproven. John Morant's really taking that step forward. He is a true number one in this league. They have a great supporting cast. They're young, they're talented, they're hungry. So I want to see them finish this regular season strong. I want to see them win at least one playoff round. And even if they get bounced in round two, because probably be a tough matchup. I think that's a great building block for them moving forward. So I'm interested in, in uh, Memphis, how they finish out this season. So I also wrote down uh, one that you had about the Suns. I'm interested in looking at that one too, seeing how they, they kind of fare with Chris Paul. But uh, yeah. so we'll see. There's a lot of storylines that are going to go down. Just to see, I love how we, neither of us really, I mean, you mentioned Marta Rosen's, but. Neither of us really mentioned our teams sitting there at the top of the, the East. So we're hopeful, obviously we both hope that they could stay up there and continue to battle for that one and two. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but now we got to move on to our last and our favorite segment here on the team up podcast. And that's team up. So Jared, who gets your technical foul this week? Well, um, I'm going to give it out to, uh, to Trey young. Okay. Uh, the guy still thinks he's playing in 2020 or something. Cause he keeps trying to do that Stupid drawing a foul when jumping into a defender and then freaking out when the ref doesn't blow the whistle. Well, yeah, they're not going to blow the whistle, buddy. You know why? It's not 2020. It's 2021, 22. They took that rule away from you. You abused what the rules allowed you to do. So they took it away. So you and James Harden just have to deal with it and learn how to play in an NBA where they don't put up with that BS. So you know what? I'm teeing up Trey Young. And like you said, with LeBron being phased out, I'm going to have to find a new player to sports hate. But I don't think I'll have to look very far because I have to say I can't stand watching Trey Young play basketball. <sighs> watching him play basketball infuriates me. I was sitting there during that Bulls-Hawks game pissed because this man complains. And you know what? I am so happy. Thank you. Thank you, draft gods, for Io Dosumu. Oh, my God. He locked Trey Young down. And it was great. I loved it. So uh, teeing up Trey Young. That's who I'm teeing up this week. Oh, man. He makes me mad. Oh, man, I like Trey <laughs> Young, man. I, I, I like Trey Young. Awesome I like Luca. Do not like Trey. Awesome I've decided. Moving forward. But uh, this week I got to tee up basically the whole situation of the end of the Lakers and Clippers game. And I'm all for getting calls right. I'm all for going to replay review. But there's got to be a limit, man. The last 20 seconds of game time, for that game lasted over 20 minutes of real life to complete. Like we, we were looking at everything. We were trying to see if LeBron's foot was he out of bounds. What was like this a fat? Like we got to calm it. We got to calm it down a little bit, and we, we got to be quicker. You know, I love me some baseball, and I agree that far too often the game just slows down to almost a standstill, and that's kind of the big issue when people are trying to watch. They talk about well, what's wrong with baseball? What's the difference between football and basketball? It's because football and basketball you keep it moving, keep things going, constant action. So this was just too much. I mean, 20 seconds of game time, 20 minutes in real life where they're putting up graphics. Like we've played four minutes and no, we played 4.6 seconds of game time since, you know, 12:23 Eastern. It's like, oh my God, we got to move on. Like, I don't care if he's out of bounds, he's out of bounds. Let's just run it up. Like, let's go. So fans lose interest quick. This was just too much. We got to get over it. We got to get it moving. We got to get it right. We got to fix this NBA. That was just, that was ridiculous. I know that was kind of a dramatic uh, event on that night, just trying to make sure we got it right, but got to keep it moving. 
technical foul NBA. Let's figure it out. I feel like what would be a good thing for the NBA is if they did kind of do something where there's like somebody sitting in New York that like has been able to watch the the TV broadcast and be like, okay, clearly like all the fans can tell what happened. Yeah. I'll just slow down for myself. Y'all are taking 20 minutes and boom, there's the answer. That's what I'm saying. I overrule you. Go like that's what they need to do something like that. Exactly. Call from New York is in. Yep. (laughs) Keep it moving. Just keep it moving. You know, I'm all for getting things right. But at the same time, there's got to be a limit. We're not going to sit there and nitpick every single play of every single game. We got to keep things moving. But that's all we have this week on the TM Up podcast. I want to thank you guys all for joining us. Be sure to follow along. Catch all of our content on our social media platforms throughout the week for some more fun NBA content. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you all later. Share us with your family and friends. 